Hello and welcome to the Formula Scout podcast. We've changed things up a little bit this week because we are still in Olympic fever, even if the Olympic Games have ended. Uh, Tokyo 2020, of course, which was held in 2021, um, proved to be a thrilling couple of weeks of, uh, of, of events with um, plenty of shocks, plenty of surprises, plenty of new heroes and, and so forth to celebrate. And we thought at Formula Scout, well, why can't we have junior single-seater racing at the Olympics instead? Um, so we've gone and hypothesized what motorsport from a junior single-seater perspective, because that's what we do best, um, would look like in Tokyo 2020. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen really now, but um, it's still fun to sort of speculate and, and come up with... Uh, with an idea of uh, how things will go. So I'm here to discuss that with Bethany Waring and Ida Wood, um, who returns for the first time in a while um, onto, onto the podcast um, after having a, a free evening for, for a change after spending many evenings subbing my, uh, my pretty abysmal rising. Um, but alas, so Ida, I think you were the one who came up sort of originally with this idea um, of having uh, sort of an Olympics themed thing. Obviously, when you look back in history, there, there is one instance of, of motorsport existing in, in uh, not so much the Olympic Games, but um, in one of the, the, the games like early in, in the, in back when the Olympics was a thing. So um, we, we've also had like rumors of, of motorsport being very much on, on the books for, for, for the Olympics coming on uh, in the future as well. So talk us through the process as to how we came up with um, this rather balmy idea, which we, we like to do here, don't we? Um, and and why, why there's certainly a valid case that, that the motorsport belongs in the Olympics. Yeah, so um, yeah, it did appear in the Summer Olympiad of 19-something, way back yonder. Um, and since 2011, I think, the FIA has been recognised as a sports team body of the IOC, the International Olympic Committee. So that means technically an FIA series can go and join the Olympics if the opportunity arose. Now, the Summer Olympiad is you know, a very limited number of spaces. So you sometimes get exhibition events, uh, for example, skateboarding joined for the first time in Tokyo. Um, but then... In addition to the Summer Olympiad, you obviously have the Paralympic Summer Olympiad as well. You have the winter ones and you have the youth ones. And motorsport finally made its return in 2018 when at the Youth Olympics in Buenos Aires, karting joined. Now, after that was proven a success with uh, very small karts, Stefan Rattel came along and he was like, oh, so we can do this. Um, I'm finally going to launch the FIA Motorsport Games. So that was very similar. It was a nation versus nation concept. You had... GTs, touring cars, drifting, karting, slalom, and Formula 4. They actually made a full-on hybrid halo shot Formula 4 car for it, which is still the most uh, high-tech Formula 4 car out there. Um, however, just as we were formulating this idea of doing the podcast, it was literally announced minutes later that the uh, 2021 Motorsport Games had been postponed another year to 2022. So that could have freed up the idea of using Formula 4 cars for our potential Olympic category, but we'd already committed to regional Formula 3 because there are enough chassis out there that you can go single chassis, 
can go um, spec engine and you can get one team running all, all of the cars as has been proven with W Series and uh, a few other events. Yeah, certainly. And uh, as you mentioned, um, motorsport and the Olympics does have a kind of sort of a little bit of um, history, I suppose. Um, and uh, the concept of medals uh, being awarded in motorsport is not an entirely alien concept either. Um, Bernie Eccleston touted it as a, as a replace, uh, as, you know, the, the Olympic medal system is a replacement for, for having points in Formula One. Um, Brooklands used to award medals to, to its uh, podium finishers. Um, and also, I believe I've, I remember seeing some pictures back in the archive of, um, I think it was a cart race um, in, in the States where the, where the podium finishers were awarded medals rather than trophies on the podium. So there is a tiny little bit of history um, sort of intertwining in, in between the two. Um, and as you say, uh, we, we have committed to the, to the Formula Regional chassis. It hasn't always proven to be the, the best sort of racing um, with that chassis, but it, it can have its moments at least. So, um, Bethany, you, you've certainly always been vocal about the the regional car. Um, happy with that choice that we've made, or would you rather have liked to have seen something different? To be honest, I'm more disappointed with the name and with the car. But like 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 I just said, uh, we've got loads of we personally know, but there are loads of Formula regional cars in existence. They, they've been um, a W Series proven that they can do all work well with just one team. I think it's it's a good kind of baseline for where you'd want um, what kind of level you'd want the drivers to be at as well, because obviously you don't want well maybe you might want but it's kind of disappointing if you just have like Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen and Sebastian Vettel all in our Olympics you'd want those up and coming drivers so I think Formula Regional kind of works with that as well and it's just it's a car that's been used across different um, continents so it's not like the European drivers will have an advantage in that sense not necessarily anyway yeah yeah certainly um and yeah i think specifically we're using the the tatchus uh, chassis which as mentioned is used by like the w series and formula regional european and and uh, a few others as well through the years um but ida we've decided that we should have 20 uh nations represented at, at these games um so talk us through the thought process of how we've picked these nations in particular, because there are some interesting choices that we've got on 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 the on this list, and some some nations that I think uh, some listeners will be a little bit surprised to hear. Yeah, so um, yeah, essentially we looked at this year's grids of all the Formula Regional Series and kind of went from top to bottom in the standings, looking at uh, drivers from each of the countries, and. At the same time, we kind of just all pitched in like any names we could think of from those because, you know, you can't have 20 Wikipedia tabs open at once. Um, and then after that, we were like, oh, hang on, there's like 20 drivers from Spain and 10 from Britain. And um, that's kind of some of the, the problems we've had there. We've got to choose those. But also it's the fact that um, essentially, I mean, if you only took the top drivers, you would have, you know, possibly five from one nation. So we've made it one car 
for uh, one car for each nation and therefore one driver uh, to make it fair. And we've kind of set the limit that the, the nations being represented, their drivers have to have experience. They can have experience higher than Formula Regional, but only two rounds maximum, because that's normally what the FIA and series above set as kind of like the rookie barometer. You're allowed, you're still counted as a rookie if you've only done two rounds of a higher category. Yeah, certainly. And we, we've also given an exemption um, entry to Japan as well, obviously as a host nation. Um, so they, they've, they've made the grid as well with one of their entries, which we'll reveal shortly. Um, but the, the concept of uh, restricting a number of entries uh, for, a, for a particular event isn't entirely new to the Olympics. And likewise, restricting like, um, talent level, um, a sort of thing that you see in Olympic boxing. Um, I believe, and a couple of other um, sports as well. So I think we should start talking about some of the drivers. And then after we've um, talked about the drivers, we, we still haven't decided our grid yet. So that's essentially what we've, we've come on this podcast to do. Um, but after that, I think we'll uh, have a sort of have a, a little bit of a discussion as to what we expect the um, the middle tape, well, the, 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 the middle winners to, to be. Um, uh, but I think before we do that, we should probably decide what circuit we're actually going to race on because um, Japan has got some brilliant circuits out there, um, some hidden gems that I think are sort of locked away to the to the Western world. So I, I think now is a good time to, to decide where we're actually going to race these things. I'm ruling Fuji out because that one's already been used for cycling, so um, don't think we can use that. So. I'm not a big fan of Fuji anyway, so. Um, uh, but I, I'm going to start off and say, why don't we race at Autopolis? Um, I like Autopolis. Um, great circuit, got some fun corners, quite tricky in some places as well. Um, so, Ida, I, I know that you're a big fan of watching um, like Japanese Super Formula and so forth. So, uh, why do you think we should uh, do do this racing? Well, ideally with it being called Tokyo 2020, somewhere near Tokyo, but I don't think there's any tracks really uh, near there in any capacity. And given it was, still is, I guess, monsoon season in Japan, somewhere ideally not near to the coast either, uh, which does rule out a few of them. I think Autopolis is a good shout. Um, I would have said Sportsland Sugo, but that's like, I don't know, 5k away from the beach. So uh maybe not there's there is a few more but i think if you can have 20 cars on track at once you've got to have quite a big circuit so yeah autopolis or potentially suzuka mm -hmm. uh, bethany would you be happy to, to race either of those circuits yeah i think you guys know japanese circuits better than i do i'd have just been like suzuka because because obviously you know they're going to have the facilities to have to host such a major sporting event as this and it's it's the one that um kind of fans motorsport fans that only watch formula one will know suzuka they're, they'll be going why why are you racing at this random circuit that nobody's heard of even if most motorsport fans will have heard of it so i'd say suzuka but i'm happy to follow your lead on this one hmm. that's a very good point actually about suzuka i think if um the the events weren't held behind closed doors and suzuka would definitely be a much more logical choice um, because of the infrastructure and because of the 
the size of the place but i think we'll, we'll go with autopolis for for this occasion just to just to shake things up a little bit um and, and certainly give show a bit, show a bit of love to some of the the, the lesser known japanese circuits so, out there so let's talk about some drivers um i think we'll go so in alphabetical order of the nations because that's what i've got them listed as here um and we'll, when we come to nations that we haven't decided who's driving for them um we'll, we'll open up a little bit of discussion so argentina um we've got franco colapinto uh driving obviously he's very experienced at at this level, he's got a little bit of sports car experience under his belt as well. That's just about keeping him within range of eligibility. Um, struggled in 2021 so far, but um, I'm, I'm sure he he could bounce back quite well um, at, an, at an event like this. Um, let's move on to Australia. And we, we, we sort of got a bit of a two-way tie going on um, between Joshua Carr and Christian Mansell. So, Bethany, Mansell is a driver that you know fairly well. Um, so I, I think you should uh, make the case for him. Oh, he's just really fun. Um, like if we were going to decide any championships based on entirely on which driver is the most fun, Australia would win every time. But um, Christian's uh, racing in the stupidly named GB3 at the moment, I do believe. Um, he was in Formula 4 last year. He's not got a whole lot of experience um, in terms of um, compared to a lot of these that are doing Formula Regional level. But he's he's been quick. He was racing with Carlin last year. Uh, he got a win in like his second ever round and he won again in British Formula 3 when when he sighed out there so he he's been he's been doing quite well quite consistent he's not he's probably not as well known on the international stage as Carr is and his name both of Australia have such racing driver cup names Carr and Mansell but um but he Christian's a good strong driver and I think he would deal with that pressure of representing his nation as well. Mm. And Ida, what do you make of Joshua Carr and does he trump uh, Mansell for you? He's obviously very quick. Uh, did very, he won the USF Tour, USF Tour title and he's doing quite well in Formula Regional Americas. But I think it's just so hard to tell how good a driver is in that series if they're not dominating. Um, and I think given, you know, that he has got, you know, Scott Speed got to F1 with his name. Um, I'm sure there's some, Usain Bolt became the fastest person in the world with his name. Joshua Carr hasn't yet, you know, set the world alight with the name Carr. So I think he hasn't made the most of that. Whereas Christian Mansell, like Bethany said, it's like the most infectious personality of a racing driver you could ever have. Uh, and he did really well in his Euroform in a cameo at Spa as well. So he, he looks like he's good at adapting quite well to, to new cars. Mm -hmm. Would it be a Formula Scout podcast uh, without a Euroformula mention at some point? Um, I, I think we can pencil in Mansell at, at this point and um, move on. So we've got Barbados as well, which is one of the more surprising nations, I think, to to a lot of listeners. And we've got Zane Maloney, who's doing really well in 
in in Formula Regional European this year. He's he's on our list. Um, and we, we've then got Brazil, which uh, we've got a few names drafted down. So Ida, I'll come to you first. Uh, Gabriel Bortoletto, Eduardo Barrichello and Roberto Farrier. Um, who gets a nod from you? I would say Roberto Farrier because in British F3 at the moment, he looks, I think at every circuit, he just looks very quick. Maybe not necessarily winning, but just on it straight away. And, you know, Brazilians do have a good record of coming to the UK and doing well. So uh, I'd like to see that continue. Mm -hmm. And Bethany, do you agree? Bethany? Sorry, I was looking at the Wikipedia pages. Um, I find this one really hard. They're just, they're, I, I think they're not as unevenly matched as it might be. I think Farrier kind of stands out just because he's, he's not in the, he's not in the same championship as the other two who haven't really been able to make their mark as much as Farrier has in his, in the championship that he's running in. Although again, um, you'd have to give Barrichello a point for like bringing in an audience. But I think if we're going on who's more most likely to win for Brazil, it would probably be Farrier. I think we can pencil in uh, Farrier then at this point. So rolling through, we've got the Cayman Islands, which is another very surprising nation. Um, and that will be represented by Kevin Simpson, who's doing very, very well in Formula Regional Americas at the moment. And Denmark, we've got Rasmussen, but Christian Rasmussen, um, the current Indy Pro 2000 points leader. I'm not so familiar with these cars, but I think he will adapt quite nicely. Um, the next tie up we've got is France. And we have got two drivers who are doing very well um, at the moment in Formula Regional European. And that's Adrian David and Isaac Hajar. So, Bethany, um, these two drivers, it's a very difficult one to decide between the two, isn't it? Honestly, I can't pick between the two. And that's not just because half the time I get the two of them mixed up. They're just so evenly matched. Um, I'd go with... I'd go with David just because I remember writing his name more often, but it's one of those things where it's just a tiny thing that tips tips it over the edge because they're just so evenly matched, which is now why Ida comes in and says, no, this driver's so much better. Ida? Um, hmm. Rubs chin in, in contemplation. Uh, it's a difficult one, I, I think, because obviously we've seen that potentially that Hadjar is a Red Bull junior for next year, but we haven't been able to get confirmation from anyone on it. And obviously Hadjar and David had the support of Renault as well previously. So both of them are clearly, you know, impressing the right people. Um, I think a lot of people kind of thought that David being dropped by Alpine was quite a, a harsh move. Uh, but like Bethany said, it, it just looks so equal this year. It's, it's really hard to, to tell. I think Hadjar at the start of the year, though, in Asian F3, that was kind of what made everyone turn their heads and go, oh, this, this kid's quick. Um, and I think, you know, France and Tokyo, I think, you know, Hadjar would probably be a cooler driver to have, maybe. 
yeah um uh, that's totally valid um i guess that means that i get the the deciding vote on on this one um i think i'll go with hajar um just just purely on 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 what he showed in asian formula three um this year and I, I do think that there might just be a little tiny bit more potential uh going forward but it's so difficult to decide um so I think we'll go with with Hajar um, as I start to, to write our, our things down before I forget them. Um, next up, we've got Estonia, which, of course, will be represented by Paul Aron. Um, and then Finland. Um, we've got plenty of, uh, well, a wide range of options um, in William Alitalo, Patrick Pasma and Emma Kimmelainen. Um, so, Bethany, um, who's your pick out of those three? Stephanie? They're, sorry again. They're just so, they've done such different things recently. So it's kind of, when when two drivers are racing in the same thing, it's always easy to say, oh, it's obviously the one that's winning. But obviously with with Kim Alinen doing, um, doing W Series and not doing too badly in w, w Series, it's hard to judge her against Pasma and Alatello. Um, I wouldn't say Kimmelina just because she's a woman, but but uh, I it would be nice to obviously have some female representation. But I think also she's been under the pressure of racing in such a huge series now compared to the other two, and probably has a bit more experience with these cars in the kind of circumstances we're talking about in terms of having cars all win by the same team so I think I, I'd go with her for those reasons although Finland is going to have two very good backup drivers no matter um, who gets picked yeah certainly um, Ida um, I'm sure you're probably going to make the case for, for Patrick Pasma now always oh, it is it's very tempting because Particularly last year, Pasma kind of turned kick motorsport around. It was truly an awful team. Uh, and he, he got the most out of that car by, by pushing the team forward. On the other side, um, Kimmy Leinen, obviously, I think she has like a radio show in Finland. Uh, she's a really good broadcaster as well as a racing driver. So after she's done her discipline and she's still stuck in Tokyo, I imagine she can then go and, you know, help the Finnish cover all the other events. Uh, for the upcoming Paralympics, etc. So I almost see her as multifaceted in that sense, and it makes sense to send her there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do like the the idea of having um, a woman on the grid as well, um, a very experienced woman as well, um, uh, in 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 Kimmelainen, um, just to to help showcase that that motorsport is is one of those few sports where you do have men and women competing on an equal, on a, on an equal footing. Um, and I, I think Kim Line in terms of sort of outright talent as well is, a, is certainly a good, good person to have um, on board. So I'll pencil Kim Alinen in and we'll then discuss team GB. So Great Britain is another country with a, with a nice range of uh, contenders. Um, so we've got Alex Quinn, Oliver Bierman, Zach O'Sullivan, and Jamie Chadwick. 
um, all very, very different drivers um, once again. Um, and Ida, I'll turn to you first. And I'm not sure where you're necessarily going to go with this one, because I, I know that we were very um, undecided within within our own preliminary discussions on this. So um, I'm curious to see what you're about to say. Yeah, I'd almost say we could add a few more drivers to that list as well, you know, like Luke Browning and uh, people of that nature. But there's absolutely loads you could choose from. Um, obviously, Oli Behrman has the potential to, you know, wipe the floor clean, I think. Um, but um, oh, it's a difficult one because obviously the Olympics are every four years. So you have Behrman winning the Olympics now. When it comes around to well, even 2024, so three years, he, he may already be, you know, like fighting for the F2 title. And this is what gets his name out there. Um, but similarly, you could say the same thing about O'Sullivan because he's winning British F3. But equally, you then got Chadwick. And I think this is almost Chadwick's last chance. I don't see her staying in single seaters um, for another three years when she's got other options uh, that look more lucrative. So. I, uh, I'm i stuck between Chadwick and Behrman. I think from like a legacy point of view, definitely Behrman, because it's going to be like compilation clips for the next three years of him winning. Yeah, um, and Bethany, uh, Quinn, Behrman, O'Sullivan and Chadwick, who gets the, the, the nod from you? Um, considering there are two drivers with Janetta Jr., um experience it's probably a bit surprising but i'm gonna go with ollie Beerman. i just i just think he's great i think he would probably be the best representative of the four that we've picked but like like you guys said there are so so many young talented um british drivers and drivers that we know because we're here and we we cover british drivers so easily um so it's it was hard to even come up with four names let alone just one but i think beerman just kind of has the edge for me yeah and i i think just based off of his current form i mean like we we, we don't we we haven't set out like a particular time frame for when um the drivers would have had to have been selected by or or, or what but certainly based off of his recent form um beerman is just absolutely um, destroying the opposition at the moment in, in Italian F4. So uh, certainly very, very valid. Um, I personally probably would have gone with Zachary Sullivan, but I've been outvoted. So that's how it is. Um, let's move on. And we have got Guatemala, another one of those slightly more obscure nations without a huge amount of motorsport heritage. Um, they'll be represented by Ian Rodriguez, who... Um, remember rightly he uh surprised by i think he won on his formula regional european debut last year um so he, he certainly got good pedigree in in these cars um italy of course gabrielli mini um doing fine stuff in in formula regional european as well and the home nation japan um will be represented by reese ushijima um the netherlands next and uh, a couple of interesting drivers um in Kaz Havercourt and Delano Van Toff um I, I think two drivers sort of were very sort of differing 2021s um and I'm intrigued to see where 
where where you think this one's going to go, Ida? It, it is tricky. Uh, obviously, they're both MP Motorsport drivers, both, um, well, one's en route to the Spanish F4 title in dominant style, the other took the Spanish F4 title in dominant style last year. And they both did it in their first year in single-seaters, got around course to do it. Um, they both already kind of hooked up with MP to look at the long term for 2022 and going out to form a regional. So it's almost, it would make sense, I think, from that perspective, to put Vance Hoff in the car to get his first Formula Regional experience ahead of next year and then allow Habercourt to concentrate on his prep campaign, uh, which hasn't been going too well. Because um, obviously Habercourt did a few Formula 1 Eurocut rounds last year. So kind of similar in that, getting that experience of a car ahead of moving up. Uh, so I would go for Vance Hoff here. Mm-hmm. And Bethany, um, which one gets a nod for you? Uh, I'd go with Have a Court just because of that little bit more experience. And like you, you said we didn't have kind of a time frame for when they would have been picked by, but like realistically, I think he'd have been more likely to have been picked um, either the, over anybody else just because of have he'd have been more ready in time if that makes sense so so that's why he gets my pick mm-hmm. yep and I, I think i'm gonna go with have a court as well so basically off that basis um new zealand is next and we are absolutely haven't got a clue as, as to as to who's gonna get this we've got McElroy, we've got pain we've got Unga. Ngotua, uh, we've got Fraser, we've got Clark, we've got Vodanovic, um, a wide, wide range of drivers um, at this point. So I'm going to start off and say that um, McElroy is basically the one driver that I've got experience of watching, um, doing stuff, uh, some decent stuff in, in the States. And uh, uh, that's the one that gets a nod from me um, at, at this point. So um, I don't, this one's totally wide open um and uh, i'm sure you're about to to totally throw everything that i've said sort of out the window and come up with a with a clear answer i i would go for caleb uh and i'm going to butcher his surname Toa. um when the surname kind of indicates it he's actually got some kind of uh, nz aboriginal origins i think um so true true kind of like new zealander and I think that would be very good to represent his country on the international stage uh, in that capacity. Although a lot, of, you know, they all look very equal in ability. But I think if you're going for the Olympics, then, yeah, Caleb would be the driver I'd, I'd choose. Mm-hmm. Bethany, happy with that choice? Um, yeah, as well, just because he's done so many, like, traditional New Zealand races as well like he was doing Toyota racing series this year he's done New Zealand Formula First Championship a bunch of just really traditional New Zealand races that it just seems like he would you would do all those races as part of a selection process to get the pick in in this imaginary scenario so I, I just feel like he's the kind of the perfect driver but also, New Zealand's kind of really lucky that they have tons of drivers to pick from. Mm, yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, 
and I, I agree with that entirely. So I'll pencil him in as well. The last siding one that we've got to to, to pick between um, is Spain, um, which also is totally not sport for for choice. Um, they have got David Vidalas, Mary Boyer, Javier Segrera, Nerea Marti, Belen Garcia, and Marta Garcia to pick from. Um, and again, a, a wide range of experience here, a wide range of talent as well um, across the board. Um, I'm going to jump in first and say David Vidalas, um, a driver who every time I watch him seems to end up having some sort of um, miserable weekend, um, sadly. But uh, what he showcased in in the past, um, so winning on his debut sensationally as well. Um, I think this would be the sort of competition that he would um, absolutely thrive in. Um, so I'm going to chuck it to Bethany um, next and see whether I'm agreed with or not. I think even though he's got a bit more experience than everyone else, there's a case to be made that given the break he had, Fernando Alonso should qualify as a young driver in this sense. Um, it, obviously, um, but in reality, yeah, I think Vidal has really it fits the fits the bill. He's extremely talented, even if Craig is his bad luck charm, and I think he'd do well. Um, I remember in his first kind of races in the on the international stage, Ida was getting really excited about him, and we had to be like calm down a bit but he lived up to expectations and um continues to do really well mm -hmm. and and either are you gonna um fly the flag for for dollars again or is, is someone else taking your fancy this time well the worry here is if we do send that well, the spanish federation sends david Vidalis to the olympics and then you're watching it Vidalis isn't going to do very well so uh potentially <laughs> Uh, we, we can't risk that. I think I'm going to go for Segrera because in British F3 this year, I've been like, because I haven't watched too much of racing, but it's like looking at all the result sheets, Segrera is doing so well. Clearly, there's so much ability there, but we haven't seen it against, you know, a higher opposition. So I would like to see what Javier Segrera could do in the Formula Regional car against a load of international stars. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. And having watched plenty of um, British F3 stroke GB3 and myself, I do I do agree with that sentiment. But for me, I think Vidal is, um, does get the nod. Um, I think I'll just have to, to turn away whenever he's on screen, though, just to make sure there's no bias going on there. Um, and completing our grid, um, we've got Sweden, represented by uh, Dino Boganovic. Um, Switzerland represented by former regional European Championship runaway leader, uh, Gregor Saucy. Turkey is represented by uh, former eSports star, Cembalat Bassi. Um, and the USA is represented by Braden Eves, who is doing some very good things in Indy Pro 2000 on his return from injury from last year. So we've got a grid. Colapinto, Mansell, uh, Maloney, Farrier, um, Simpson, Rasmussen, uh, Hajar, Aaron, Kimmelainen, Behrman, Rodriguez, Mini, Ishijima, Havacourt, uh, Ungatoa, Vidalez, Baganovic, Saucy, Bollockbassi, and Eves. So quickly, Ida, who's going to come out? Well, who's going to uh, take gold, silver, and bronze? 
I would go for Franco Colapinto for gold because he is absolutely rapid in this car and he's actually already Olympic gold medalist. So that kind of helps. Um, and knowing how to handle the pressure in Olympic Games, although admittedly it was in the Youth Olympics. Then for silver, I think, you know, Braden Neves and Christian Rasmussen are clearly huge, huge talents. Um, and the USA tends to do very well at the Olympics. So Braden Eves, silver. And for bronze, uh, thinking oh, Topolis or Zuka, etc. Who would be good on a tight and twisty circuit? Uh, Caleb Nigatawa. Yeah, so uh, Argentina gold, USA silver, New Zealand bronze. There we go. Um, Bethany, who's your, your podium? Bethany? I'm going to go with Saucy quickly, um, Colo Pinto in P2, and then Vidales in P3. Okay, um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure exactly what the, what the podium will look like. Um, I'm going to go with Saucy for gold. Um, uh, it's just been too strong this year to, to not win it. Um, I'm also going to go with, I think, um, let's go with Barbados for silver. Um, I don't know how many Olympic medals Barbados have, have had over the years and especially recently. So it'd be nice to see them get a, get a silver. And um, let's go with Italy for bronze with, with Gabrielli Mini. Um, I've gone for some very safe options there, I know, but alas, um, that's how it is. Um, and I think that brings an end to, to this podcast. Um, we, we're running out of time before our free Zoom meeting ends, so uh, I, I think we'll just uh, conclude it here. Um, we've got plenty of features in that, um, half-term reports and uh, stuff coming up on formulascout.com, so do read that. And all the, all the news reaction and features and everything else coming from, from the upcoming events as well this weekend. Um, where there will be trophies awarded and not medals, of course. Um, and I'm off to bed now because I'm suffering from a second uh, vaccination. Um, but alas, uh, that brings an end to this, and we'll be back soon with another Formula Scout podcast. <laughs>